You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rafke, president of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to this episode, which is episode 76 of The Zeitgeist. Uh, we are recording on February 7th. 2023. And I want to welcome Christian Dürer with us today. Thank you for having me. So Christian is the chairman of the Liberal Party, the FDP's caucus in the German Bundestag. He is also a member of the party's federal executive uh, committee, yes. which puts him at the top of, uh, one, <laughs> of <you>. the, <laughs> one of the parties which is most important uh, as a member of the three-party uh, government governing coalition in Berlin. Um, so uh, welcome uh, and glad to have you with us. Thank you. You are not the first member of the FDP to be with us on the podcast. Uh, just a few months ago, we had Johannes Fugel. Johannes, right, uh, yeah. We talked about Russia and China and strategic competition, a great conversation, and we've also talked with Michael Link in the past, who's yeah. now the transatlantic great coordinator. Yeah. So um, you're, uh, you know, in a, in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to start though by just uh, mentioning, you know, you have some roots in the United States that go back uh, before the start of your political career, right. if I understand. Back to the '90s. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was an exchange student in Arizona. Went to high school for one year in Kingman, Arizona. What was the name of the high school? Uh, Kingman High School. Kingman High School. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, and it didn't. It 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 uh, it didn't leave you scarred in any way. You were, no, uh, no. It was a great time. It was uh, in the middle of the desert uh, compared to the weather. Where in, in Germany, and I live close to Bremen, northern Germany. Uh, weather was just great, 365 days a year, mm-hmm. and I had a great time. Okay. Well, uh, that's I'm that's still in terrific. touch with my host family, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a shout-out to Kingman, Arizona. Right. Uh, that's <laughs> the first time we've had that uh, <laughs> with us. And now tell me, what brings you to Washington uh, right now? Are you one of those people who flees when Carnival comes around? You want to get no, out of the country? No, you know what? The funniest thing, and Carnival is a thing for Cologne, Düsseldorf, and so on. But the thing is, I'm a, from a very small town close to Bremen, and actually Carnival is big where I live, too. Oh, It's okay. really rare in northern Germany, and especially in Lower Saxony, the state where I'm from. But uh, I'm actually a carnivalist in a way. So, yeah, that's not the reason why I'm here. <laughs> but, <laughs> There uh, are a few people who like to get away, it seems. I know, and, I know. Uh, but, okay, I'm not one, not of, one those, of those, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the things that are going on in the world right now, of course, uh, talking about energy, the geopolitical situation, the war on Ukraine, And, um, yeah, and the questions of trade in the future. Okay. So it, you, I'm going to put all of these things together under the, the headline that uh, people hear so often now when we talk about Germany, and that is the word Zeitenwende, um, sea change or um, you know, turning point. Right. And uh, you know, I think uh, when we were uh, talking earlier today, you grouped this into, into a few different categories, and we'll go through those. But the first thing I want to start with is, When you think about this change, um, is this an analytical term describing how the world has changed around Germany? Or is this more of a programmatic ter- term describing intensified German action, a new activism in German foreign policy? Which one is it? It's probably both, but it's more the second, I would say. Because uh, Germany has learned uh, a hard lesson the last 12, 13 months. And that's why uh, the Zeitenwende, the turning point, is a turning point in different aspects for us. 
and um, I think we have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, Germany is a great country, still has some tasks to do, especially on the international level. And so I think it's more uh, a German perspective right now talking about Seitenwende because okay. we have to change and adapt. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about you know, what Germany is doing then. And uh, yeah. you, you mentioned energy, trade, and, and foreign policy or right. security policy. Right. Maybe we start with energy because sure. for, for people who don't follow you know, foreign and defense policy on a day-to-day -day basis, um, the thing they knew about Germany was Germany dependent on Russian hydrocarbons. Um, so what, is, what does this uh, Zeitenwende look like when you think about the German energy picture? When we look at the German energy policy the last 20 years, it was basically based on two pillars. Pillar number one, uh, renewables and push renewables with the public subsidies. And the second is cheap Russian gas to back this up. And the second pillar obviously totally broke down by February 24th of last year. So we have to readapt and readapt our energy policy as well. Um, one thing is uh, on for the short run, we uh, prelonged the uh, nuclear power plants, the three we still have for uh, half a year, well, maybe a quarter of a year, uh, till April uh, the 15th of this year, mm -hmm. uh, which was a hard discussion within the coalition because the Green Party was is very much against nuclear power. And the French said, well, um, do your job. I mean, y we have to use all resources right now we have in this terrible situation. Wait, was it the French? I thought it was the FDP that made it. It was the happen. FDP, but uh, along with the French, basically. Uh -huh. They had some, we have to uh, add this, they had some problems with their plans. Some were down exactly. to reconstruction. And so uh, they said, do your, do your job as well. We are trying hard, but you have to try hard as well. And not ideology uh, is in place right now, but pragmatic um, politics. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, that's a decision we did. And the second thing, if you look at gas, we built within a few months an uh, uh, LNG terminal in Wilhelmshaven, which is uh, in my uh, home state, Lower Saxony, on the North Sea, to, um, yeah, to have nu uh, liquid natural gas from other parts of the world. So we will add more. We will in, in the end, we'll have 11 LNG terminals uh, on the German coastline. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that is something, uh, if you would have asked me 14, 15 months ago, I would probably said that'll never happen. Uh, I, we were pushing, the FDP was pushing LNG technology for a long time, but mm -hmm. no one would actually listen to us. And unfortunately, it had the, the war was basically the turning point uh, on this. Right, right. And so today, Germany is importing no Russian hydrocarbons, correct? correct? We're dependent. 55% of the German gas came from Russia, and that is down to zero. Uh, now we're importing from other European countries. We're importing from other parts of the world through the LNG terminals. And yeah, we are diversifying, basically. And the how soon will germany have sufficient import capacity to make up for that shortfall for the lost uh, imports of of russian gas we will probably not be able to to replace all those 55% we were dependent on from russia but uh, we're moving forward and i say and that is still a hard uh, debate within our coalition uh, i always say we have to use our natural resources at home 
because we do have natural uh, gas resources we are not using right now. And um, to my opinion, we also have to put that on the table. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Natural resources? Uh, uh, natural uh, gas in, in, in Lower Saxony and Schleswig-Holstein in northern Germany. We, have, we could explore more gas. Um, that is a, a discussion about the technology. Fracking right. is one thing. Uh, the US I was going to let you say the word. I didn't oh, want yeah, to say right. it myself. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the U.S. has been doing it for a long, long time. Right. But the debate in Germany was pretty much irrational. Um, uh, it was um, um, connected to pictures with um, water tubs on fire, <laughs> weird right. pictures, which has nothing to do what we do would, would do in Germany. And then we still have resources in the North Sea as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you think the, the there is... A time will come soon for that sort of debate? We need the bridge. The bridge is broken. The bridge to the renewable uh, age to be all green, to be net zero, um, that will take a while. And since this bridge is broken due to the fact that um, the resources um, uh, from Ru Russia are, are gone and stopped, the, the import of those um, gas, res uh, gas resources, we need others, and that is uh, to diversify internationally, but also in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. One thing that really strikes me, and you mentioned it uh, today, uh, is the how fast uh, Germany has built, um, not just uh, yeah. acquired uh, the floating terminals, but built the pipeline uh, to connect them um, to, to the grid. How was that possible? Was this the result simply of extraordinary uh, human efforts uh, and administrative focus? Was this a result of changes in legislation? Um, is, there, is this a model for how Germany can uh, fix what in some cases is crumbling infrastructure uh, that has uh, not received adequate investment? Uh, over the last decade. You're absolutely right. The railway system is not in good shape. The freeway system, I mean, Germany is um, well known for the Autobahn <laughs> internationally, but the freeway system is not in good shape. We have problems pretty much everywhere because in the last years, last two decades probably, uh, that was out of focus, unfortunately. So yes, I would say what we did with the LNG terminal in Wilhelmshaven on the, on the North Sea coast is basically a blueprint for what we should do elsewhere. And we're discussing this right now in the coalition. Uh, we um, are we have a consensus on, on the railway system, on um, investing faster in warp speed, as we say, in renewables. Mm -hmm. But to my opinion, we also need roads because we have lo lots of traffic jams, especially in Northern Westphalia, um, highly populated areas yes. there, and lots of traffic jams, which are also not good for the environment because we have CO2 emissions and um, yeah, just being uh, struck uh, in, in traffic. And so is that, uh, is that just a matter of more money, more resources, or is it a matter of changing uh, the, the planning uh, and expediting the process for uh, approving and, and building such projects? In the last years, we ha actually had a surplus in the federal budget because we were not able to spend the money. We had enough money, money was not the, the, the we weren't short of money, but we were short of uh, being fast. <laughs> so this warp speed um, uh, mindset is something that we really need. Germany has become a very slow country, unfortunately, in all aspects, especially investing in infrastructure. Money was not the problem in the past, but we were too slow. And speeding this up is one topic within the coalition. Okay.
Let's talk about trade uh, for uh, a minute because um, we are uh, you know, talking on a day when not only uh, your visit is uh, taking place, uh, the, the German economics minister and his French counterpart are here talking about the Inflation yeah. Reduction Act. Um, uh, I'm sure that's been a part of your conversations uh, lot, in, in yeah. your meetings as well. Um, uh, how does... Uh, how, how do you look at the trade issues and what the priorities should be between the United States and Europe? Two aspects, and I'm glad you mentioned the Inflation Reduction, <laughs> Reduction Act. <laughs> My um, turn. Yeah, right. Um, thank you for that. Um, the first aspect is the reason probably in the future why um, even small and medium-sized uh, enterprises, often family-owned in Germany, tell me we will invest in the U.S. The one aspect is the, the IRA, but it's not the only aspect. I think we have to make that clear. It's also the whole investment environment in the U.S. Energy is a lot cheaper. It's mm -hmm. easier to invest. It's sometimes faster. So that's the, the problem right now for, for, for us is not only the IRA. One, IRA is one aspect, but it would be too easy just blaming this, this RAA for everything. We also yeah. have to be more competitive in Germany, as I said before. We have to be faster. Uh, our bureaucracy is in pa some parts just terrible, and we are fixing it right now. So that's w one aspect. Um, the other aspect is Germany is an export country. It has been for many, many decades, and we were successful. Uh, we really... Um, the, the common European market uh, really helped us. And, of course, we are also exporting from out of the, to out of the EU, for example, to China. Mm -hmm. uh, about, I think, 40% of the Volkswagen revenues are made in China right now. But um, we can't decouple from China within a short period of time. But what we can do is diversify internationally. Um, so the questions of trade and especially free trade and i know the discussions in the u.s has been hard have been hard in the last uh, years on this mm -hmm. and we're part of campaigning as well so what i my message is let's talk about a new scheme uh, make a new effort uh, on free trade uh, with the eu and the united states of america because uh, in germany we just in october last year we passed a bill saying we signed the ceta agreement with canada I mean, we haven't been able, some other member states of the EU as well, but the large Germany, the largest economy, which is dependable on, on, on trade, on international trade, uh, Germany was not able, the German Bundestag was not able to ratify CETA. Now we are doing it. It's due to the fact that we have this um, terrible situation in the Ukraine, but now we are finally going this mm -hmm. way. And we are, uh, Chancellor Olaf Scholz was in, was in South America to talk about Mercosur uh, trade agreement. And to my opinion, and that's part of the Bundestag decision as well, to my opinion, it would be a good idea for the EU, for Germany to talk with the US about trade in the future. I know that's not a short-term thing, but that is something, to my opinion, uh, important because, uh, yeah, we have uh, international rivals. We have uh, problems with China, yeah. as you all know. And if we want to diversify um, on, on trade aspects, we I think it'll be a good idea if the democracies of the world work together and work on free trade. So so what you're sketching is, uh, is sort of a future where... Um, you know, Friendshoring happens by creating free trade arrangements that 
that stimulate uh, and encourage um, the, uh, the the trade among like-minded uh, countries. Right. Um, you know, one of the countervailing issues that I think the United States is grappling with uh, at the moment, and which you see expressed in our politics, to be to be sure, is this balance between competitiveness and efficiency, right. which clearly points uh, toward maximum implementation of free trade um, in order to take advantage of the uh, you know, scale and the, the powers of the private sector, versus the strategic, and in some cases, security um, interest, whether that is in advanced technologies or in dual-use um, right. uh, products uh, where the definition of what is a dual use product is is uh, constantly evolving yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, of changes in technology um, how do you see that or how is that how is that discussion taking place in a German political context is the same discussion happening and you have the same uh, concerns arising um, how do you connect with those in the United States yeah we pretty much have the same concerns I think now we have we didn't honestly Germany didn't have those concerns in the past unfortunately now it's more coming up the whole thing about Taiwan and China and um, now we're discussing it in, 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 in public, uh, uh, finally. And uh, I think both go hand in hand. The, I think one learning, lesson learned from this terrible conflict um, uh, in the Ukraine and the invasion, uh, Putin's invasion of, of the Ukraine, one lesson learned is it is our economic strength in the West that made us... Uh, able to answer with sanctions, for for example, we are stronger economically. Mm -hmm. So if we have a strong economic base in the West, and that's uh, and trade is a very important aspect to strengthen the Western economies. If we have this, this is also an answer uh, to our um, competitors and uh, like in, in in Asia, such as China. So it, I think it goes hand in hand. It has to do with security. And it also, to my opinion, has to do with uh, how we develop um, uh, from an economic aspect uh, the Western democracies. What do your American counterparts say when you when you give this forceful endorsement of free trade and, in particular, an agreement between the United States and the European Union? They tell me, yes, we're seeing this aspect, um, but um, they also underline, yeah, we are having um, a big, dis we had big discussions about losing jobs in the U.S. and so on. And um, th those discussions are familiar to me. We have had those discussions in Germany as well. But when we look, um, um, uh, when we have a transatlantic view on the world the last, 40, 50 years, trade was an aspect that brought wealth to the households as well. I mean, it was good for workers to have trade. And um, so um, I think it is worth to talk about this. I know it's not a short-term um, um, aspect. It's not, we, we, we won't have a free trade agreement within, the year, within a year or anything. But to start those discussions again is, uh, is worth it, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So security was the third pillar um, right. that you've uh, identified as, as part of Germany's changed outlook and engagement in the world. So let's, let's zero in on that a bit. Um, uh, what does that mean? Um, on the one hand, there's a war raging in Ukraine after Russia's invasion uh, with 
countless lives uh, lost and uh, truly horrific um, destruction. Um, there's also the recapitalization of Germany's own arm, armed forces, the Bundeswehr, which had been neglected for uh, for quite a long for time. Years, yeah. So where do those, what takes priority? Um, how does Germany best exert um, its role or fulfill its role uh, in European and transatlantic security? First of all, this number three is connected to number one and two. It's uh, connected to... Um, what we have done wrong in energy policy in the past, and it's connected to trace questions. But the thing is, and, and that's what I would, uh, that's kind of like my message here in Washington, we've learned. Mm -hmm. uh, the 2% of the GDP promise for NATO uh, has was not fulfilled for years. And honestly, German politics, I mean, the FDP had a different po uh, position on this. We were always pushing when we were opposition um, before we were always pushing government on this, but uh, in general, the German uh, administration had not this on their agenda. Mm -hmm. And that has changed. We have passed a 100 billion euro uh, uh, law, um, a special fund for the Bundeswehr, for the, for the military in Germany. Mm -hmm. And now we reach or even uh, going further the 2% promise. And that will, uh, we will continue this. Because mm -hmm. we have learned that um, we cannot prolong what we've done in the 2000s and just not invest in our military and just hope, just in, in case of emergency, the United States will help us. They are helping now. I mean, the U U.S. is uh, uh, um, the pillar of the NATO and um, we, we do understand, and, and I think the German public as well has learned that we can't go on like this and just say, let the U.S. guys do it for us. We have to do it. We have to do our job in this alliance as well. Mm -hmm. And we are willing to do it. And that's kind of like part of my message. We are spending public money now to invest it in the military. Uh, we'll do it faster. I mean, our... The whole system, how we are we're investing in military equipment in the past was just terrible, and we are working this over. And that's my message, too. We do understand that we have to do our part of the job. Mm -hmm. Do you have an estimate or a target when you think Germany will reach the 2% defense spending target? Well, from the budget-wise, we are already meeting it right now. We, we already be above, actually, the 2% with a $100 billion, uh, um, special fund. But the Well, that's money that hasn't been spent yet. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's so money that's budget -wise, available. We are, right, it's available, and now the Bundeswehr and the whole system, uh, the whole military is uh, uh, on the way. As you probably know, we have a new defense minister. Yes, uh, we'll talk Boris about Pistorius, that And I know him from Lower Saxony because uh, we were together in the state parliament was, back then. Yes. He's from the SPD, from the Social Democrats. And I think he's the right guy in this hard job right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then so there is the the challenge of rebuilding the Bundeswehr but there's also support for Ukraine um, sure. Germany has I think it's important to note Germany is probably you know in terms of military equipment and support to Ukraine probably in third place after the United States and the UK yeah. uh, in other words it is one of the leading um, uh, contributors to Ukraine's ability to defend itself. Um, 
At the same time, we've seen in recent weeks uh, that that these decisions have been made um, in a sometimes in a process that is maybe more public than it needs to be, yes. um, and that that generates an image of disagreement, of friction, right. and of reluctance. Um, so uh, help us understand that better. Is this uh, is this just caution? Is this um, uh, people being slow to pick up uh, this Seitenwende and this changed outlook on the world? Or is there something else uh, that's complicating matters? What's your perspective? Yeah, the German policy on this has changed dramatically since February 20, uh, the 24th of February last year because in the past, Germany was not exporting military goods to, to countries that are in war. Yeah. That was a no-go, and that totally has changed. And it's good that it has changed. But so that, that is why maybe the debates in Germany were really emotional, <laughs> very emotional, and that is probably why, um, let's say, the marketing side um, was not that well. We didn't perform that well on this. Mm -hmm. But what we were actually doing, I think, uh, we can we can show that we are um, talking about the tanks, for example. Uh, we are now doing a lot better, and we are delivering uh, what we were um, promised. And so that, that's part of the Zeitwende as well. But we are still on this. I mean, we are learning on this. The U.S. Yes, has, a, has a history on, 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 on what they are doing mm -hmm. now for Ukraine. Germany did not have this history. And so we're um, picking up yeah. uh, pretty fast. But it's still, it's kind of like a, um, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I should say this, but maybe this picture shows it. On this aspect, it's like a baby trying to walk mm -hmm. and um that doesn't always work mm -hmm. um in the first moment so that's still we're, we're working on it yeah yeah understood now you mentioned uh the new defense minister boris pistorius um who is from your home uh, your home state but not only is he from uh, your home state but if I remember correctly, he was the Minister of Interior when you were right. in the state parliament, um, including as leader of the FDP's um, uh, parliamentary group there. Correct. So I imagine you know him uh, pretty well. Yeah. Um, what uh, can, you, can you say a bit more about what you expect from him uh, in terms of perhaps uh, not just the policies, but uh, the way of, uh, of fulfilling um, his job? I would say he's a guy that makes decisions. That is very important right now for the Bundeswehr. And um, he was um, the Minister of Internal Affairs in, in Lower Saxony. So uh, the police in Germany is on the, on the state level, it's right. state police. So he was in charge of that. So he knows about security. And uh, I mean, police is different than military. That's true. But he speaks the language, I would say. Yeah. And um, the, her, uh, his... Um, uh, the, the, uh, Christine Lambrecht, uh, who, who uh, resigned from office, she was, um, yeah, she was kind of like dropped in this job, I would say, and yeah, after all, didn't perform that well, and that's why she resigned. And uh, now he's the right guy. He speaks the language, and um, what I um, expect from him is that he's doing the decisions that have to be made, especially. Uh, buying new uh, equipment, talking to the industry, because, I mean, Germany for years was not uh, a top customer. We were just, uh, we were just like, 
any small country in the world, even mm -hmm. though we are the fourth lar largest economy for for um, military industry, we were not a, a key count at right. all. And that should change. And I think he, he, first of all, I know he knows this and he's willing to make some tough decisions, especially in the German uh, bureaucracy of uh, buying military goods. Okay. Uh, procurement is one um, big part of it. Uh, one, one thing that uh, his predecessor uh, highlighted, uh, which I think surprised some people in her own party, was her view that Germany needed to change its its position toward arms exports more generally, um, especially in order to promote defense industrial cooperation with countries like France, right. which have a very um, uh, different uh, approach and are looking for markets. Uh, Germany instead has been very cautious about uh, exporting German-made defense systems. Is this an issue in the parliament? Do you expect it to become an issue? Um, and if so, how do you look at it? It is an issue in the parliament, and it's especially an issue on the EU level. I mean, if you if you look at all the military budgets of the EU member states, it's not all that bad, but everyone is playing in their own field in a way, and that is not smart. If we more collaborate, if we work together, on uh, defense issues, um, it'll be a lot smarter in our, um, uh, the, the, the level of our defense capacity will, will rise if we do it. So we have to work together with countries as, uh, as France uh, a lot more. We are doing it on some, uh, some parts already, but um, we should do more on this. Mm -hmm. But well. it's a discussion on the EU level, especially, and that's also in the in the start right now. It's uh, yeah, it'll mm -hmm. take a while. I know that, and I always, um, yeah, I'm really pushing it because I don't want to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, I think you know we've been uh, talking over this last half hour about some of the most uh, important strategic uh, questions for Germany: how it yeah. uh, restructures its economic engagement while preserving the advantages and promoting the competitiveness of German industry, uh, how we collaborate across the Atlantic, how we find new ways uh, to express the strong partnership uh, between the United States and Germany and the rest of Europe. So I want to thank you, Christian Dürer, for this uh, conversation. It's been really great. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll look forward to having all of our listeners with us on the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören.